0: Well, here we are in Revelation. We are kind of smack dab in the middle of this incredible letter, and that's what it is. It is a letter, as we found out through week one, Uh, to the seven churches in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. And we found out through uh, through that first week that uh, we can associate with some of those churches. Maybe we kind of lose our first love. Maybe we're a little bit lukewarm. Or maybe we're being persecuted a little bit because of our faith. And and it is encouragement to hold tight, to hold on. In week two, we we got to see the glory of God and all of His splendor and his throne, and be able to know that God is on his throne. I tell you what, after this week of the craziness of the political scene, uh, isn't it great to know that God is on his throne? You know, I just want to shut it off. Yeah, isn't it great to know God is on his throne? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yes, and so we got to have that comfort, and so week three, we began to look behind the, the, the scroll. God was holding a scroll while he's on his majestic throne, and uh, there are seven seals uh, that we saw that are on that scroll, and Jesus is the only one who can open those seals. And so we began to look at those seals, and uh, some of those seals represented military conquest, uh, civil war, famine, plagues, and Christians being martyred. Uh, and I believe we, we have seen and will continue to see uh, these uh, first five seals uh, break out. Last week, we looked at uh, the final seal. Uh, that was opened by Jesus, and so at this point, the um, when the final seal is uh, is open, the Christians. I have been raptured. The rapture means that they meet him in the air. It's not the second coming of Jesus. The second coming is actually towards the end of Revelation when he comes and he, and he basically fights the enemy. And we'll get to that um, a little bit uh, as we go, go on next week. But the last week we talked about the seventh uh, seal that was being opened. And with that seventh seal, there are actually seven angels and seven Trumpets. You get a theme here of seven. Seven, by the way, is um, symbolic, uh, a symbolic number in the Bible that means complete. So complete, like it, uh, it took God six days to, uh, to make creation, but he added an extra day to rest and said, okay, it is complete, and I'm resting on the seventh day. And so you see the number seven throughout Scripture. But keep in mind, during um, this seventh seal, there is the great tribulation. The great tribulation, and, uh, which is after the rapture. But God will open the eyes of 144,000 Jews during this tr- uh, tribulation. And they will be open their eyes to the truth of Jesus as the Messiah that they've been waiting for. These 144,000 Jews will come to faith in Jesus and will lead others to Christ. Since the rapture has already occurred, they will need to be killed in order to go to heaven. So they will be actually martyred. But as we will uh, see here with the mark of the beast, we're going to get to that today. Um, if they do not take the mark of the beast, uh, they will um, go into heaven. So this right here is, uh, this week we're going to look at what happens at the final trumpet. So last week, the f- seventh seal, the final seal on that scroll, and there are seven trumpets. We, we looked at what those trumpets were like, what, what, what was happening When each angel sounded each trumpet, and the very last trumpet uh, is what we're going to look at today. But first, John mentions two witnesses in chapter 11. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 11. And uh, if you don't have your copy of God's Word, we have it on the screen. And we also have it on the Bible app, uh, Bible.com, Version Bible app. You can find it there as well. But before we get into reading God's Holy Word, because uh, we're going to re- read a, a, a few verses of His Holy Word. So here's what I wanted to do. I want us to pray and ask God to bless His Word today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, giving us Uh, this vision. Thank you, God, for showing us this, to know that we win in the end. And know, Lord, that that even though we will face lots of tribulation, and I believe that we are in part of that tribulation, but the great tribulation uh, is is coming. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're going to come and you're going to rescue us, your church. I pray, Father, that as we read your word today, that every word does not return void we pray father that every word sinks in the heart of, of, of everyone including me and help us Lord Jesus uh, to um, to hear what you have to say to us in Jesus name amen and amen Revelation chapter 11 verses 1 through 6 by the way we're going to read we're going to go uh, chapters 11 12 and 13 uh, today and we're going to finish the series on November 20th. So you want to go all the way to the end with us if you can. And so that is a Sunday before, uh, before the Thanksgiving break. So if you could be here, that'd be awesome. And we'll also have communion on that Sunday. We kind of close out that Revelation series. So verse 1, I was given, I, John, was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshipers. But exclude the outer courts, do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. Verse 3, and I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. That's a cruel way to die. They uh, have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So um, that right there through verse 6. Let me stop right there. So who are these two witnesses? Well, we can kind of... Uh, try to figure that out. But, you know, we know that there's going to be two uh, witnesses there, witness to what God is doing, who God is. Um, some Bible in fact, a lot of Bible scholars believe that these two witnesses will be Elijah and, and Moses. And you can actually see uh, some of the uh, stories of what Moses was able to do by turning uh, the water uh, in, in, into blood, the Nile uh, River into blood. And also the plagues, and also the sun standing still with Elijah. And so there's some similarities uh, in their stories and what these two witnesses will do. Plus, Elijah went up to heaven, he didn't die. And uh, we, uh, Moses, we think died, but he, he actually left the Israelites to go into the promised land, and it was just him and God. So uh, God could have taken him up. So we know this, that there's going to be two witnesses. Maybe it'll be Elijah. Maybe it'll be Moses. But, like, can I tell you something? You don't want to be here to find out. <laughs> All right? So uh, let's go on to verse 10, uh, 7 through 10. So here's what's going to happen to those witnesses. Now, when they have finished their testimony... The beast. Now, here's where we're starting to get the beast. The beast will come up from the abyss, will attack them, and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, Jerusalem, and which is figuratively called Sodom and Gomorrah, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. Now let me stop there. So these two witnesses will be martyred and they won't be refused burial. You know, right now, you probably know this, there are Christians being martyred and being hung on crosses and left on the cross to deteriorate right now. They're, they're, they're not being buried. Muslim extremists are, are uh, crucifying them, are killing them, and they're, they're mocking them. So when you read something like this, um, it, it's not really too far-fetched, is it? Because it's happening even today. Uh, verse 11. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and terror struck those who saw them, I guess so, when they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. At this very hour, there was a severe earthquake, and a tenth of the city collapsed 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. The third woe is coming soon. Because earlier in the chapters last week, talked about the first woe. The second woe has passed. The third woe is coming that the angel talked about. So, seventh trumpet. Here we go. Verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders, which we looked at in week two, the 24 elders who were seated on the throne before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. Back in Moses' time. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. So, before we get into, the, that's into chapter 11. Before we get into that, chapter 12. So, we're starting to see the seventh trumpet. The, the, the seventh seal, seventh angel, seventh trumpet. But here's what I want to tell you something. Before all hell breaks loose is what's about to happen. Before all hell breaks loose, what did John see? John saw God on a throne. People praising his name. Can I, can I sink that home to you today? When it seems like all hell is breaking loose in your life, when it seems like things are just in disarray, even, even you're on the, on the cusp of it and it's, it's coming and you can tell, and it's overwhelming, just know this, that there are people praising his name. And so what does John tell us? What is God showing us? God is telling us, praise his name. Praise my name. Even on the edge when all hell's going to break loose, praise my name. That is comforting for us. So let's get into the beast, shall we? Chapter 12, introduces us to the beast. The first part of chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, talks about a woman, a child, and a dragon. A great sign appeared in heaven. He said it's a sign, appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. A lot of people, scholars, uh, uh, think that's the 12 tribes of Israel. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born." She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God, to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. It's about three and a half years. So, what does this mean? Now, one thing to understand about this vision, and really prophecy a lot of times, prophecy is is when when we see it in the Bible, we see it describing something that has happened, and something that is going to happen. And sometimes it could be very very similar. Uh, in uh, you will recall in um, this series that I did uh, the Wired. For worship series that we did a couple of series ago, we talked about uh, Satan's greatest desire. Satan's greatest desire is is um, to steal um, uh, your position, and 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 to uh, obviously to kill and destroy. But he, as we found in that series, was the main worship leader in heaven. And I encourage you to go back and look. It was, it was the fourth, the last se- uh, sermon in that series, Wired for Worship. And so, but the prophecy in, in uh, Isaiah was talking about what happened to Satan when he fell. And also, he was prophesying what was going to happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Very similar things. And so, what we are seeing here is actually some things that has happened and possibly will happen in this chapter 12, in this vision. And so he's talking about a woman who was, uh, who was pregnant. And, and so what he's talking about there is Mary. Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, gave birth to a son. God snatched him up into heaven and put him on his throne. He will rule with an iron scepter. The Bible talks about that with Jesus. That is Jesus. Then we have the dragon who stands in the way of the woman, wanted to kill her. Do you remember at Christ's birth? who was standing in the way wanting to kill the Christ child. It was King Herod. King Herod. In fact, God warned King Herod, I mean, God warned um, Joseph in a dream that, hey, you need to get out of of Bethlehem. You need to get out of Bethlehem because um, King Herod wants to kill Jesus, your son. And so... um, what we see here is we actually see um, what has happened um, in, that, um, in the past and what possibly could happen as well. And then also you see in verse 6, the woman fled into the wilderness to a place God prepared for her. So where, where, where did they go? They, they went to Egypt. Now, that's not necessarily the wilderness, but they, they had to travel through wilderness. They had to travel through desert to get to Egypt. They went to Egypt um, to escape King Herod. So, the woman, the child, the dragon. Verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael, now Michael's one of the archangels. There were three of them originally. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. There were three of them. Each of them in charge of the third of the angels. Okay? So, in Michael, commander of the armies. Um, Gabriel's sort of like, you know, the, the communication, anytime you see uh, an angel talking to someone, it, it, it's usually Gabe. And then um, you also have Lucifer, who was a worship leader. And, um, um, but Michael here and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have... Come, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the, for the, of the Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony that did not... Um, They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So when the Bible talks about a third of the stars in heaven, he's talking about angels. When when Satan fell, when Satan said, I want to keep some of that glory, I want to keep some of that. I'm the worship leader. I want to keep some of that. And when, when God saw that, he says, uh-uh, you're not doing that. And so he fell. There was a war. A third of the angels fell with him. And God created hell, not for you, not for me, he created hell for Satan and his angels. And so you see this happening right now. Again, it, it's something that has happened in the past. But it's also something very likely that will happen, um, in um, obviously, in the, the sounding of the seventh trumpet. But let me go back to verse 10. If you can go back to verse 10. In the second part of verse 10, where it says, For the accuser... Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to camp out here for a second, because I want this to speak to you. Okay? So everybody just pay attention. I believe God has a word for you this. So for the accuser of our brothers and sisters... Who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So, what I want to share with you today, I want to remind you that you have an accuser who likes to remind you of things you've done. You have an accuser who likes to remind you of your past. Now, your past could have been something you've done 20, 30, 5 years ago. And your past could be something you did last night. Can I tell you something? If you are walking in shame, now, obviously there needs to be confession of sin. If there's confession of sin and if there's humility come before God for the things you've done and you're still walking in shame, you are being tempted, you're being talked to by the accuser. Can I tell you something? He's been defeated. You need to remind your accuser, he has been defeated. When those thoughts that you are a, a no good, nobody fill in the blank, you need to tell the enemy, you cannot talk to me that way. I'm bought with the blood of Jesus. He has defeated you. You have no authority over me. You have no authority in my mind. You have no authority in my life. You have no authority in my heart. And you have no authority to speak words of death into my life. So there are people here today that are walking defeated even after you have confessed that sin. Confess the sin. Repent. Walk away from it. And walk in victory. The way to walk in victory is to simply say, Lord, I trust in you and Satan, I'm not listening to you. The great accuser, because he was defeated by what? It says the word, by the blood of the lamb. If you've been bought with the blood of the lamb, which you have, you've been bought with the blood of the lamb of Jesus on the cross and by the word of your testimony, by the word of your testimony, your word that Jesus Christ is Lord in your life, and what Jesus Christ has done in your life is powerful. It's powerful. And, you know, there, there are great stories in the Bible, and you you want to rely upon the Bible. You want to read the Bible, all the great stories. But can I tell you something? As you walk in your Christian life, there's going to be your own stories, your own pillars in your life in your faith walk that you can go to and say, you know what? The Bible has all these stories and that's great but Satan, can I tell you something? I've got these stories where Jesus Christ, he obviously he bought his his uh, his uh, my life for his he bought his, my life for his with his blood and he has done these things in my life. That is your testimony. When people ask you, why are you a Christian? What is your testimony? What has God done in your life? What has God done in your life? And if God hasn't done much in your life, you haven't seen it, number one, you could, maybe you're not looking. Or maybe number two is you're not trusting. You, you, you got to walk out on faith you got to walk out on faith. you got to do something daring, something foolish in the minds of humans. You've got to do something foolish. Obviously, what God is calling you to do. But when you walk out on faith and do something and, and God's there to, to, to teach you and, to, uh, and for you to trust in him, then you can say, that is my testimony. Satan, I know that God is real in my life. I know that Jesus is in my heart because of this, y'all. You got to start using your word of testimony. It says right there, the blood of Jesus. You can't do anything about that. That's been given, done, check. But your testimony is powerful. It's powerful. I woke up this morning really early and I read over my sermon, and that scripture popped out more than any of them. So somebody needed to hear that. All right, Revelation. Verse 13. Now, this talks about the woman persecuted. When the dragon saw that had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given to uh, the two wings of a great eagle so that she may uh, might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half time, out of the serpent's reach. By the way, if you want to... Re- Read read more of that. Read the book of Daniel. Last part of Daniel. Second half of Daniel. It's all in there too. Verse 15. Then from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimonies about Jesus. Can I tell you something? That last part of that verse, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. When he says... Then the dragon was enraged, who's the dragon? Satan, at the woman and went off to wage war against who? The rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimonies about Jesus. We hold fast to the testimonies about Jesus. And the dragon, Satan, is after us. If if you don't feel like Satan's after you, then maybe you're not holding fast to the testimony of Jesus in your life. Let's let's do a check on that. Let's give a heart check on that. Sorry for stepping on a few toes on that. But I, I have to do a heart check on mine as well. In our comfortable life, in our comfortable life, you know, where you don't really feel like maybe Satan's coming against you, he might be Am I really walking to the testimony of what Christ has done in my life? Because if I really was, then Satan would be after me. All right. The beast from the sea, chapter 13. We're going to read 13, and we're done. Chapter 13, verse 1. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea it had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. Now, before I go on, this is something, something different than the dragon. Okay? Verse 2. The beast I saw resembled a leopard but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power. So you have the dragon and you have this new beast The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. Verse 4. People worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander its, his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, People, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All who name have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Lamb who is slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. So at this point, God's people. It's part of originally that 144,000 Jews who were like, oh wow, Jesus was the Messiah. Rapture happened? Okay. Well, let's study the scripture. Let's get right. And uh, obviously, the Bible's here, it's plain and simple. And uh, so those 144,000 Jews lead others to Christ. And so as, as, the, as this new crop of people, of, of believers who are on this earth uh, after the rapture has happened, that's who he's, who he's talking about. And and earlier, when it talks about uh, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, Uh, some people uh, have, uh, Bible uh, scholars have even speculated that that could either be a a person who has been, who has had a a, a wound, maybe thought dead, and um, has survived that. I've I've heard of that. I've read that. Uh, Some scholars say that that could be more of an organization uh, an entity, a, a government that uh, has, has sort of had a had a, had a um, an injury to the you know to maybe the system, and has um, uh, has resurfaced. Uh, I mean, you can you can look into uh, lots of possibilities on that. That this particular beast that came out of the sea, uh, we're about to see a second beast. So you have the dragon Satan, and you have this beast. Satan has given the beast the authority. Okay, So this beast could either be a, a person, or this beast could, uh, could also be an, an entity, an organization, a government. And man, after what I, we've been seeing lately, wouldn't surprise me. All right, Revelation 13, verse 11. Then I saw, again, this is a vision of John. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. So already you have some similarities like a lamb, but it spoke as a dragon. So it's going to deceive people. It's going to be, look like a, a person of peace, but it's really a dragon, okay? Uh, wolf in sheep's clothing, verse 12. It exercised all of the authority of the first beast on its behalf. So this could be an actual being, an actual person who's acting out all of the authority of the entity or the organization of the first beast and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Now, before I go on to 13, you could take this literally like there's going to be a beast or you could take this figuratively, and obviously there's lots of metaphors in what we're talking about. But a beast, some say that beast could, could be here on this earth right now. And so we've got to watch to make sure everything we do um, and everything we follow is following the principles of God's word. That's why we have God's word. And if we're worshiping something else, if we're doing something else that that is against God's word, then we could be worshiping the beast. if, If that beast is here, verse 13, and it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth and ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Again, that, that, that probably won't be such an idol, like an actual figure idol. People are gonna bow down. It could be something else. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. So people who didn't do certain things, people who didn't worship, didn't follow, what is worshiping? It's, it's following. It's following. I, I, I follow Jesus. So I worship Jesus. Um, verse 16. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. So this calls for wisdom. This calls for understanding. He's talk, the second beast he's talking about is, is what we call the Antichrist. This Antichrist, which very well would be a person... Could be an organization, could be an entity. But the second beast, in, in my opinion, is, 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 is probably a leader, a person who, who looks like a person of peace, but is actually not. And so this calls for wisdom. And the wisdom here is that you and I, and again, hopefully, we're not here when all this breaks down. <laughs> hopefully, we're up in heaven and we're eating at God's buffet table, all right, and eating Krispy Kreme donuts. So, but this calls for wisdom because even now we have got to be aware of what we're doing, what we're following, what we are worshiping, what we are worshiping. And what is worship? Something you follow, something you look at, something you're always, always talking about, something you, you live your life around. And so as we move in our life, we've got to have God's Word in our hearts. We've got to be reading God's Word, and we've, everything we do have got, has got to be has got to stand up to the word of God. If it doesn't, we don't need to follow it. And adults, especially adults who have children or grandchildren, and if, and if there are adults in here who may not have kids, and, but you, you, maybe you teach children or you've got some nephews and nieces or whatever, know this, you and I, we need to teach these children God's word. Because there's a very strong possibility that some of these children could be around when all this thing breaks loose. Now it is my hope that that we're caught up in the sky before all this breaks loose. But know this that we have got to teach our children. And, And you and I, we need to look at God's word. We need to We need to listen to God's word, and we need to pray. So as we close, whether you realize it or not, Satan hates you and will do everything possible to keep you from loving and obeying your creator. His anger is not just against Jesus and the church, as we saw earlier. He's after the offspring. He's after us. Why is he angry at you? apparently because he realizes that humans were created by God with the, with the potential to be higher than he was, with the potential of being replaced. Because let me tell you something. When, when Satan, as I shared in the, in the Wired for Worship series, when Satan was hurled down as the worship leader, and before he created man, Satan... Asking God, this, this isn't God's word. I'm not sure if this conversation happened, but I'm sure Satan wondered, "All right, who's going to be your worship leader now?" God bend over, put some dust in his hand, breathe life in that dust, created man, woman, said, "That is my new worship leader. You are God's worshipers. And Satan? can't stand that. Satan can't stand that. And I'm not talking about just your singing. I'm not talking, worship is not just music, it's your life. Let your life be your worship. Let our lives worship Christ. Now if you're sitting here today and there's one or two things that could be going on in your life, it's kind of freaky to be talking about all this right before Halloween, right? But it's true. All of this stuff is going to happen. Red Dragon, all of these things. But if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know, Frank, earlier when you were talking about how the accuser likes to remind me of my past, oh, my gosh, that, that is me. It's like you are talking straight to me. Can I tell you something? God wants you to be set free from that. God wants you to be set free from that. Whatever that is cheating, lying, sexual promise, uh, sexual uh, lifestyle outside of marriage, whatever it is, things you're looking at, shouldn't be looking at, gossip. Whatever those things are in your life, if you confess that and ask God to forgive, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you. And Satan, the accuser, likes to remind you. So your sin has been replaced by the blood of Jesus Christ. Start living your life with the testimony of Jesus. If that is you, we're going to pray for you in just a second. Or you could be sitting here today saying, you know, Frank, what you talked about today is kind of freaking me out. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to face a red dragon, and I don't want to be around when all this breaks loose. And in fact, if I were to drive out of this parking lot and die in a car accident, I don't know if I would even make it to heaven. I'm scared. I'm scared on this day before Halloween. And it's not about zombies. I'm scared of where I'm going to end up. So let's take care of that, those two things, right here.